thinking of that uh, stewardship idea and what Paul was sharing and how um, stewardship isn't just about finances, as most of us know, it's also about uh, tithing our energy, our gifts, and our calling. That's the church being the church, serving that way. Can you imagine if Brittany and the team were not tithing their gifts and their talents to us as a church, how much would we lack? Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be a bummer, right? That how awesome was that? The, the beauty, I mean, outside of Kevin, that was just such a beautiful... Thank you, Brother Kevin. <laughs> Good morning to you all. Good morning. I was on a uh, uh, mini college trip this, uh, this past week, so we took a day, went to Alamosa and saw Adams State uh, University. It was, it was a, a pretty, uh, we were surprised. We had heard um, some good things, some not so good things. We really liked the campus. And uh, Cambria and I were walking with uh, uh, the tour and looking at all the different buildings and, and going on. We were walking by one building and could see through the windows there was this wall with statements and pieces of paper on it. And, uh, and the uh, tour guide, she said, um, oh, that's, uh, that's our hope wall. We're like, oh, a hope wall, that's kind of cool. What's that for? And uh, they were sharing how a number of years ago, um, there were several suicides that happened on the college uh, campus and a number of students struggling, and it seemed a a, a real kind of almost an overwhelming presence on the campus. Got home from that college trip and was talking with Kendra, and um, she was telling me how um, in the last couple of weeks, we've had two different high schools, I think, up in Monument, and um, uh, two different students at two different high schools in our area um, took that fateful step and, and took their lives. Many of you know that Colorado... Um, For whatever reason, I believe some of it is spiritual, but Colorado is leading um, across the nation as a state in terms of suicide rates. In 2017, 1,175 people took their life in the state of Colorado. Over 1,000 people. Um, They've uh, done some studies but really, it is uh, across uh, ages. It's, a, it's across professions. There are a few uh, groups that has a little bit more of an occurrence like adolescents, uh, like veterans in our military, uh, first responders, um, there's a presence. Those struggling with their sexuality and identity is a, a presence. Um, the majority is men, surprisingly. Um, who take their lives. By the way, there is a Colorado crisis line. Um, it's one 493 talk If any of us are ever struggling, there's resources there. I, my door would always be open to wrestle uh, through any of those issues. That number, 1,175, represents only the people that actually took their lives. It does not represent the many that attempted. It does not represent the many that that even contemplated. And it doesn't represent uh, many of us who have wrestled with the things that are part of that fateful decision, like depression and sadness, desperation, and despair, bleakness, and hopelessness. That's, it seems to be a part of the human condition. It, it seems those aspects are a part of life. It's the hard part of life. And, and almost no one is immune 
to some of those elements. There's always an element that we, we wrestle with those things uh, at, at different seasons, at different times, different uh, reasons for all those things. But it's part of our life. I think it was because of those hard parts of life, because of that deep sorrow and struggle that is within us. I think it's for that reason that Jesus declared that he is the good shepherd. That he knew he knows the hard part of life. He knows what we need. He knows in different seasons the things that we're going to struggle with. And a big part of why he came to this earth was because of that struggle, because of the pain, because of the despair, that human condition that he could enter into that place and bring his tender care and love and compassion. Last week, we began in John 10. And if you've brought your Bibles, great. Would you, would you turn to John 10? We're going to continue on. We started in that chapter, and we saw that Jesus, his first I, I am statement in John chapter 10 is, I am the gate. Right, And he was saying that he is the entranceway. He, he pulls us away from all lostness and, and separation from God in this life and the next. And he is the gateway. He is the door. He is the entranceway into abundant life, real life, true life, kingdom life. But who knows that even when we've entered through the gate, even those of us that are Christians, we still struggle with depression and despair from time to time. That we need, that, that he doesn't end with just the I am the gate, a one-time decision of receiving him as Lord and Savior. But he seems instinctively to, it just feels like he knew we would need more. And simply a one-time decision to say, Jesus, you are my Savior. But we would need something more. And, and so he links, I am the gate with, I am the good shepherd. I believe that him being our shepherd is a crucial aspect of the abundant life that he talks about, of the full life, of the kingdom life. But he gives this in such a way, just like he does with I am the gate, and he invites you to enter in, I want to encourage you, when we read his statement, I am the shepherd, I want you to hear this as well as an invitation. It's an invitation, and in fact, I am the gate, you could argue, is a one-time invitation, but I am the good shepherd, I believe, is an invitation daily for you and I. You see, these statements, yes, clarify a little bit of who Jesus is, but also... It's given in such a way that he invites a response, an action, that we have a role to play in these statements of identity of who Jesus is. And I want to suggest that the day, the, the action, the choice, the response of Jesus being the good shepherd is a daily choosing him to be our source and our shepherd. You see, Jesus, he's a shepherd that's good, that's gentle, that's kind. He doesn't force. And in fact, because he's so gentle, if we choose to wander away, he lets us. 
if we choose to turn and pursue other things, if, if we choose to, to find other sources and resources, if we choose to turn away from his voice rather than towards, he allows us, who knows the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And much of the Christian life is saying yes to the Lord, is saying even though you've given me this free will to choose, I choose you today. So let's read the next part of John chapter 10. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. Again, I want you to hear this in terms of invitation. I want you to hear this in terms of response from you and I. I'm going to read just a a part of this, starting uh, at verse 10. John chapter 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm going to pause right there for just a moment. Ask yourself, what does Jesus want us to know about him being the good shepherd? What does he want us to hear this morning? One of the things that I think he wants us to hear is for those of us especially that are feeling vulnerable this morning, those of us especially that are are feeling insecure and struggling. To the vulnerable, he says, I am the abundance of protection and care for your soul. I am the good shepherd. Last week, we, um, we looked at a picture of a, uh, a sheep pen. I think we have that picture again uh, this morning. Irene, you want to go to that picture there? Do we have it? Yes, we do. And so it's an awful small door. We, we talked about that um, oftentimes the shepherd, um, Palestinian shepherds, if they are, especially if that sheep pen is not at home and they're wandering in a field farther away, that oftentimes they actually become the gate. They lay themselves, once all the sheep are in, they lay themselves in the doorway of the sheep pen. So when Jesus said, I am the gate, people knew exactly what he was talking about. There's another instance that I think Jesus is referencing is when... Um, uh, it's a little, little bit larger of a sheep pen and larger of the flock when the shepherds would be with them during the day. Then in the evening, they, um, they hire night, the second shift shepherds, right? And they watch during the night. And that's what Jesus is referencing in these um, passages of scripture here. The, the second part, he's saying that there's other shepherds There are other watchmen, but here's the deal. They're in it for a paycheck, not for the sheep, right? I'm kind of putting in my own things, but they're they're not there for your care. He's contrasting himself with the second shift uh, sheep herders. He's saying that they, when danger comes, when the wolf comes, they scatter, they flee because they don't love the sheep. In contrast to that, he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. And in fact, he says, I lay my life down. And of course, that is a 
a foreshadowing of Jesus wouldn't just metaphorically lay his life down. Jesus wouldn't just say that, but then he follows through, and it's a foreshadowing of the cross, the ultimate protection that we needed, the ultimate saving that he needed, that we needed. He literally lays his life down because he is the good shepherd. Just a, a, a little uh, side note, no extra charge. Um, Think of it like this. You know, in the Old Testament, they, they practice, practice the sacrifice, and they would sacrifice lambs, right, sheep, right, for the sins of the people. Jesus flips that upside down in the New Testament for the lambs. The shepherd sacrifices himself. He says, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. There is nothing, there is nothing in this world that will snatch you from my hands. I am, there is no shepherd that is like Jesus. There is no one that provides and loves the way Jesus loves you. There's one other thing that I think this first part says the truth that there are wolves. And in fact, there's not only wolves, but there is the wolf. He's using this metaphor of Satan, that he's real. And whatever metaphor that you would use for him, scripture uses many, a, a wolf in sheep clothing, right? A lion who's on the prowl. A, a, a thief who comes to, to rob you. A strong man who comes to rob you of your possessions in life. A liar who deceives, who wants to whisper into your ears. Jesus says, I will take care of that. You will face the wolf. That, that, that's not the question here. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether we're rich or poor or, or black or white. It doesn't matter, but the wolf is coming to our lives. It doesn't matter if we pray in the morning or if we're Christians or not Christians, by the way. Did you know that? Still, the wolf is coming. The question is not whether the wolf will come to our lives. The question is, what will you do when he comes? And Jesus is saying, come to me. I will lay down everything for you. That gets to response. He's inviting us to choose him as our good shepherd. Listen to this beautiful invitation again from Jesus, Matthew 11. He says, come to me. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Who knows that the enemy likes to come especially when we're weary, especially when we're vulnerable, right? Especially when, when we're facing discouragement and our faith is starting to, to waver, when, when we're right there, I don't know, God, I don't know. And then right then we get this enemy lying and he comes in and says, no, 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 do you really believe that? He has, he won't know and then right there, he leads us to turn to other things, right? Unhealthy things. Sometimes they're, they're healthy things, but, but we do it in such a way that leads away from our good shepherd, away from God, and then the enemy gets a foothold. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come, come to me. When you're weary, when you're burdened, when you're feeling, when the, when the wolf comes, come to me and I will care for your soul. Take my yoke upon me, you, and learn from me. There, there is an obedience, there is a humility. 
I love this next line. By Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. From Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father, who rules and reigns and is over all things. This Jesus says, for I am I'm gentle and humble in heart. What a shepherd. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is no one else, nothing else that loves you like the good shepherd, Jesus. I was so incredibly sad a number of years ago. I think it was 2014. Now, one of my favorite actors, it, it was uh, said that he took his life, Robin Williams. Just thought he had brought, talking, talk about uh, using your gifts. Boy, he, he blessed the world with uh, so much laughter and joy. And um, there's a bio, biography uh, that came out and kind of talks about some of the, the daunting challenges in his life that some people knew and others did not. Um, a lot of folks, uh, nobody knew some of the things. Um, professionally, he was at a difficult place. His, his film career had stalled. The sitcom that he was starting to do um, was failing. The ratings were poor. In his personal life, there were a number of aspects going on. He was on his third marriage, and I guess he felt tremendous guilt for his second divorce because divorce the, the, the uh, mother of his children. What many didn't know is he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia. All these things were happening. In this newer biography, it talks about he always had an outlet. He always had a place that he could go when he was feeling the stress. And it was work. It was comedy. It's what, it, what it did, his, uh, one of his makeup artists, Sherry Minns, said this. It's like he didn't worry about anything when he worked all the time. He operated on, uh, he operated on working. That was his true love of his life, above his children even, above everything. If he wasn't working, he was a shell of himself. And when he worked, it was like a light bulb was turned on. And of course, I, I don't know the details, but, but that source, that, that place that Robin Williams was going, it, it didn't fulfill anymore. And you see, the wolf had come. He was nipping at his heels. And of course, I, I don't know anything about Robin Williams' faith or, or lack of faith or anything, but I, I wish instead of work, his source, his wellspring would have been that of Jesus Christ because he never lets us down. Who knows that this broken and hard world can take everything from you, everything. It can take a career, a job. It can take relationship, children, marriage. It can take joy, all of those things. It can never take Jesus Christ from your life. He says, no, nothing will remove. Cling to me, cling to me. Hold everything else with an open hand. Everything else, including children, including sacred relationships, all of those things, super important, but, but love them and hold them with an open hand. But in terms of Jesus as the good shepherd, hold on with everything you've got. And he promises that nothing, no power can remove you from the love of Jesus Christ. Cling. And again, that invitation is not a one-time thing. That invitation is a daily clinging, a daily holding on, a daily pursuit of Jesus as our shepherd. 
Let's go back to, to John 10 and just, I'm going to read the, the next verse or two. Verse 14, if we could go back to that, Irene. Verse 14 is this. He repeats and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, we just have to pause there because, friends, I think verse 14 and verse 15 are among some of the most incredible verses of Scripture. They can sneak up on you. So Jesus is talking about a relationship that he has with the Father, an intimate relationship. And so let me ask you this question. On a scale of one to 10, how close, how intimate is Jesus with the Heavenly Father? I'm going to go with 11, I, I think, right? So, like, that's inconceivable. We just, I mean, there's mystery there, of course. There's beauty there. I mean, we just imagine Jesus and the Father, like, tight, right? You, you bring the Holy Spirit and wrap that Trinitarian experience. Wow, close. Let me read these verses again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Remember, in a biblical knowing, it's not simply a head knowledge. It's an experiential. It's a, it's a relational knowing. He says, I know. Like, you're not just a number. I, I know you. And my sheep will know me. And verse 15 kind of helps us understand this knowing that Jesus is talking about between us and him. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. What's he saying there? What's he talking about? He's talking about 11, yes. He's using the intimacy between him, Jesus, and the heavenly father. He's using that as a picture of knowing of this experiential relationship. And he says, hey, by the way, the sheep that God has given me, that I am the good shepherd, I'm inviting them into this intimate relationship. Do you know what is the scale, one to 10, that we get to know Jesus as the good shepherd? It's the 11, right? He's, this is an invitation, not to just protection, but also this abundance to, to the lonely, to the distant, to those who are struggling. He says, I give this an abundance, not a six, not a seven, not even a 10, but let's go with an 11, an abundance of love and intimacy between us and our good shepherd. One of those very neat aspects of Jesus' claim to be the good shepherd that we can also miss is I believe it, it can be argued a, a claim of divinity because, because yes, there were under shepherds in Israel, the priests and the prophets, they were called to be shepherds of God's people, but ultimately, Oftentimes it's because they weren't doing a good enough job for the people of Israel. So God, the Father, says, I will be the shepherd. In fact, in, um, in Ezekiel 34, you hear this. This is God speaking. He says, I myself, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down declares the sovereign Lord. Uh, beautiful this is, right? People talk about God in the Old Testament being harsh and all, you know, there's no grace. In the, that's not true. That's not true. This was God's plan from the beginning. He says, I will search for the lost 
and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. He's talking about the rebellious, those who flee, those who don't choose him as the shepherd. I will shepherd the flock with justice. The Hebrew word for binding up, when he says binding up, it, it literally means to wrap, to, to bandage. And so you get this beautiful image of a lamb that's perhaps lost or, or broken its leg or, 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 or the, the, the side is, is torn up. And he says, I will be the shepherd. I will wrap love and tenderness and mercy and kindness around the wounds of my people. Jesus was claiming that he's stepping in to the role, but don't miss the role of the Father. This was the Father's intent. And that's why Jesus came in Luke, and he quotes Isaiah, and he said, this is what I will do. I will proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me, the Father, to bind up the brokenhearted. You see, this ministry of shepherding was from the Father, and he was calling his son to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim the freedom of captives. The Lord here is offering to be our personal physician, our, our, our personal caregiver. He is offering to to carry us. I've worded it like this, choosing life with him. Will you let the Father love you like that? Will you let Jesus love you like that? Another Isaiah quote, I love this one, Isaiah 40, 11. He, who's the he, in, uh, go to, do we have Isaiah 40, 11? Irene, go to the next, yeah. Who's the he? He tends. Jesus, Old Testament, Father. Jesus steps into that, right? Listen to how he cares. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. This is the Father. It's the Old Testament. He wants to carry you close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Friends, the, the kingdom life, the eternal life, the abundant life that Jesus is talking about in this passage, in the here and now, is a life where God desires to carry you close to his life, his heart. The only question is, will you let him? Will you give him that space in your life? Will you let him get that close? Will you receive the invitation and share your life with him? There's a, a professor from the University of Kansas that published a research, and he, invest, uh, he investigated a, a correlation, the correlation, we all know that there is a correlation, of time invested in friendship and the closeness of friendship. And uh, yeah, so not too surprising that there's a direct correlation, right? But his research found this, to, to move... Um, um, it, it took to establish just a, from a just you know someone and you're casually friends to a friendship, it, it took an estimation of 40 to 60 hours to form even a casual relationship, not a close relationship, but just a, a casual, to go from a stranger's or you know of someone, a casual relationship, 40 to 60 hours it took. 
to go from a casual friendship to someone who said, yeah, they're my friend. They're a friend. That took 80 to 100 hours. That's a lot of time, right? To move from a, a good friend to something along the lines of, of a best friend. It took between 160 and 200 hours. And it was not just time that was a key predictor, but it was also the type of discussion and interaction and the type of activity. So to go hiking together is very different than watching a movie together, right? To make small talk about the weather is very different. How is your soul, right? So that all of those were indications. I was thinking, take that principle of time and activity and depth of relationship and apply it to your relationship with God. Amen. Hmm? I, I, I'm not going to run a study, but how many hours, right? To, right? Now, now wait, refresh my mind. What was, the, what was the scale of intimacy that he's offering from one to 10? What did we decide? That was 11, okay. So how many hours would it take spending time with your good shepherd to get to three, to get to six, to get to 10 or 11? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know I'd like to pursue it. I'd like to go after it. I'd like that. That's just how relationships work, right? Relationships require time. Relationships require uh, focus and, and intentionality, right? And we can bring it, our marriages or sacred friendships, our relationship with our kids. All of those will struggle if we don't give time and intentionality. Would you agree with that? Yes? Yeah. Do you think the same is true here? Absolutely. Where's the time? Remember, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, but this is an invitation. This isn't just a, a statement of who he is, but it's a statement of who he wants to be in your life and in my life. He's saying, would you come to me? Would you spend that time? This is not a one-time invitation, but come to me because I want to share your life with you. I want to teach you what real life is. I want to teach you about truly who your, your identity is, who I've created you to be. I want to teach you to discern the wolves in your life and to say no. I want to teach you to live in rhythm. The question is not about the Father's heart. Or Jesus' heart, the question is about our hearts. You see? Will we respond to this most incredible invitation? Finally, just read the rest of the passage there. Verse 16, carrying on. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He is talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the, the future, you and I, most of you and I, right? Where he says he's got a flock of Israel, but then he'll love well the, the Gentiles. And he returns to this idea of voice. In the early verses in chapter 10, he talked about voice. It says, verse 17, this reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Yet another reason why Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the only one that when his life is taken, he has the power and authority to take it back up. 
and he'll never fail us. He'll never sleep. He'll never be too tired. The wolf will never be able to conquer him and to leave us as sheep without a shepherd. Some of us here today have that sense of loss and lostness. And he says, I give an abundance of my voice and my guidance. I think we have enough time. We'll push the limit just a little bit. There's this fun little video of it's a modern day shepherd and it's another country and it has high school students and he asks some of the high school students to call the sheep. Uh, Let's see what happens. That's good. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. We were just uh, talking in, in Missing Jesus, the course. We we're, we're, we're figuring out um, that uh, part, of the, part of the Christian life, the kingdom life, is, is learning to discern the voice of our shepherd. Right? In, in this broken world, there's a lot of voices out there. Would you agree? Yeah. There's a, a lot of voices. And, and, and so part of that is discerning and recognizing the false voices. Sometimes they're even well-meaning voices. Sometimes they're our own voice. But it doesn't lead to good things. There's only one voice That's the good voice. The question is, will we choose to follow it? Many of our favorite psalm is Psalm 23. We'd be remiss without mentioning it. Listen, just the first three verses and how focused they are on guidance and direction and leading, leadership, who's leading in your life. David says, the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing. He he has everything for us. Everything for us. Everything that we need is available to us in this very moment. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The question is not will Jesus provide leadership and guidance and speak to you. The question is not is he speaking to you right now in this moment the question is will will you hear will you respond and will you obey I asked uh, Kendra for permission to share this story and she said it was okay 
It puts her in a positive light for a change. So she's okay. <laughs> so she's, she, she's been uh, discouraged and bored at her job. Been there for a long, long time. So we've been, we've been praying for quite a while um, for this new job. It, it, it feels like several years that we've been praying for that. And, um, and a couple of weeks ago or a month and a half ago, a supervisor came in and offered her her old job back uh, for a higher pay rate. And she called me up and she said, what do you think? I knew, I, I knew that was not the Lord. I mean, of course, I have to give you a lot of other context and what was going on, but I just, I was like, no, I, I don't, I, we're, we're believing and praying for something more. We're, we're, we're hoping and we're, we're pressing into to something more. And it, it seemed like, I, I mean, it seems like that could have been the answer to our prayers. And, and I, wa- I didn't want to be presumptuous. I, I didn't want to. So I just said, um, what do you think? And she said, I don't think so. I said, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the Lord. I think there's something more. Even though the the money would have been better and all of those things. And then just a a, a couple weeks later, she got offered a new job for more money and less hours. (laughs) That one was Jesus right there. But, but you see that, that discernment, he's wanting to lead. The question is, are, are, are we listening? Are we, are we praying? Are we saying, is that the Lord or is that a wolf? Or is that, is that deception? Is that, well, well, that's a good thing. Is that the best thing? Right? That, sometimes that happens too, right? There's a, there's a good thing. It seems like it could be a good thing. It's not, the, it's not the abundance that Jesus is inviting us to. I was very proud of her for that moment. Growing, we're, we're learning to discern the voice of God together as a couple. Do we get it wrong sometimes? We do. But, but we're, we're learning. We're, we're growing in that. Friends, Jesus promised to be the good shepherd who would lay down his life. And those were not empty words. He did it. He laid down his life. And that's what we have the honor of celebrating today is that we remember when our good shepherd laid down his life for our hearts, our souls, our minds. And then not only do we remember, we get to experience and commune with the good shepherd today in this moment. This is a way of inviting and saying yes to our good shepherd that we said, yes, Jesus, I'll accept your protection, your care. I want you to carry me close to your heart. And when we take communion We proclaim that someday our good shepherd who gave his life, he took his life back again and he will return. And then there will be no more despair, no more pain, no more depression, no more loss of life because all will be made whole and right. 
So Jesus, we come to you as our good shepherd. Father, we come to you as our shepherd. We give you thanks for this incredible and beautiful invitation. Lord God, would we step into your tender care. We say yes this morning for communion. In your name we pray, amen. I'd like to invite the elders forward. And if you're new to SEC, we, we have a, a, a station for each section at the appropriate time. You can exit to your right. Um, we'll do this by intinction where you, you take the bread and you can dip it in the juice. Um, um, if you're uncomfortable with dipping it in the juice, you can do that. It's a, a symbol. It represents a symbol. And take that. Um, you take that and then return to your seat. It was the night in which Jesus was betrayed. And like a loving caregiver, like a, like a good shepherd that he is, he, he took the bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said to his children, I would really say by way of invitation, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in a similar way, after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant a new relationship. He didn't say this, but I'm going to insert it. It's an 11 on the scale of 1 to 10. It's a new covenant, a new relationship that I will walk with you. Hear the invitation. Receive the good shepherd who laid down his life for you and I. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a sheep of his fold, would you come and receive his body?